Hello and welcome back to The Hum. I am Karina Droth, artist, astrologer, one half of Abacus Corvus. And while we're just ticking along here on the bonus astrology feed, we just go month by month, new moon to new moon. The Hum and the Holler, the main episode you get on this feed, has just started its second season. So if you're not already listening to that, check it out. We have just begun the story of Beloved Stranger, which is our 2022 calendar of small fables. <laughs> I guess, yeah, smallish. I'm so used to saying calendar of small spells. We've been doing those for so many years. This is a big change for us. But these are our fables about encountering the unknown in ourselves, in each other, in the world. And before we get into all the astro weather for you this month, I just wanted to let you know that this year, the Hum and the Holler podcast is looking for your stories. We want to hear your voice on this feed as well. So we're looking for true stories. They don't have to be big moments. They don't have to be super dramatic or polished. We're particularly interested in hearing about how your experiences have shaped your response to the world, to yourself, your interiority, your interrelationships, how you think about things, what questions you ask, what shapes your answers. We want to know more about you. There is a list of themes. We've given you some topics to wrap your story around. You can wrap your story around them quite loosely. Be creative. And there's a link. Link and themes are both on abacuscorvus.com slash podcast. Send us some questions if you want to know more about it. The voice messages, I think they cut you off at 90 seconds, but we welcome much longer stories if you want to tell you know, your story in multiple different little snippets. If that's awkward for you, email us. You can always just email us a sound file. So February is a month with a lot going on. And we start off with a bang. February 1st is the new moon in Aquarius. We just had Venus stationed direct on the 29th. So we are coming out of this long period. We've had Venus retrograde for many weeks. We've had Mercury retrograde. Several outer planets have been retrograde. It has been a cocooning kind of time. And this energy is shifting in a big way at the beginning of the month and then over the next few months of the year. So 2022 has a very specific story arc. And the beginning of the story arc is still one of I want to just stay in bed. (laughs) I want to stay in bed. I want to go through all of my old letters. I want to maybe make some art and putter around and think about the past and maybe not think too hard about the future. By the end of 2021, I, like many, many people that I know, was depleted, energetically depleted. So that energy is shifting now. There is more momentum, more clarity there will be more of a sort of forward direction. This new moon in Aquarius on the first gives us an opportunity to get out of the past, to be, I mean, you know, I don't want us to be like future oriented in a way that's dissociated from the present, but Aquarius is strongly interested in how do we envision the future. So with a new moon in Aquarius, we have a chance to do some deep visioning work around what it is we are trying to align with, what we are putting our efforts toward, whether those are physical, tactile efforts or efforts of imagination, of empathy, of thought, many, many ways of trying to get there. 
but how are we trying to get to a place where we are a part of kind of like turning the wheel of liberation, of being in the present moment, noticing, oh man, this is all very fucked, and then noticing one step further, here is where I have a small bit of leverage. And one step further than that, here's what brings me joy and what gives me a sense of purpose and meaning and determination. And that is how I'm going to keep pushing this, this, this piece of leverage I might have. Doing this collectively is what Aquarius is interested in. Aquarius is not about the individual. This is not about I, my sole individual self, am completely responsible for doing activism that makes me feel exhausted or defeated, which, you know, activism is easy to get exhausted and defeated because it takes a lot of effort, which means you alone cannot personally be responsible. You just can't be. That's some Leo shit. That's that feeling of I am, I am the only important actor in this play. When we are in Aquarius energy, we are understanding ourselves as part of larger systems. We are understanding the ways that we connect where we do, where we don't have power, where we have collective power, if it's not individual. All of that, where we, where we don't have power at all, where we can only make common cause. So if you find yourself in this moment, as I'm sure many, many of us periodically, if not consistently, are finding ourselves really scared, really confused, really discouraged, there is a lot going wrong out there, and there is a lot of you know, those of us who have experienced more restriction on our freedom of movement throughout the pandemic often have this feeling of kind of like yelling at the TV screen. Like if you're watching a horror movie and you're like, don't go in that room, there's that feeling, but it's about people in charge of, of, of world power, right? Just that sense of what the fuck are you doing? And so that feeling of helplessness can really shut down the curiosity and creativity and empathy that we all need to get through these wild times. And I invite you, if you are in that, on February 1st, New Moon in Aquarius, I invite you to shift your focus from, you know, the, the trash fire around us toward every person that you can imagine Maybe you know them personally in your lives. Maybe they've affected you. Maybe there's someone you follow on social media or have read about or have mutual friends with. Just really gather this big network in your mind of people who you have common cause with. And when I say common cause, I mean there are shared foundational values and aspirations for a better future. You don't have to agree ideologically on every single point. You don't have to have the same identities, the same positionalities, more just this feeling of the world you want is also the world I want. I see you working toward it. I'm with you. That's all. Find a way of arriving there. February 1st, new moon in Aquarius. That is the first step. That is the first step of planting the seeds for the future that you want. And on February 3rd, Mercury stations direct getting out of retrograde. If you, like me, have had all of the sort of technical uh, scheduling, communication setbacks, 
slowdowns, frustrations that generally occur during a Mercury retrograde, they are going to be a little less likely moving forward until the next one. So just a small note of relief. And if you've been putting anything off, like signing a big contract or having a big conversation, go forth after February 3rd. On February 4th, we have Mars in a sextile with Jupiter, while the Sun is conjuncting Saturn. These two planets, Sun and Mars, both have to do with our energy, our direction, our sense of big, uh, vital, passionate externality. One of them is hanging out, having sweet times with the planet of expansion and joy and possibility, while the other is really kind of squeezed up against Saturn, a planet of constriction, discipline, work ethic. Saturn and Jupiter are the two sort of cosmic parents of the zodiac, one of which is incredibly encouraging and the other one is a little bit more discipline-oriented. So with a day like this, it's actually a really good day to get things done because Mars sextile Jupiter expands energy, expands enthusiasm, helps us feel excited to do the thing. And Sun conjunct Saturn can add some pragmatism, some realism. Okay, I'm having a ball doing this, but I still need to stop and eat at some point or I'm going to crash. Or it's now time to edit. Or it is more useful to work on this project rather than that project. Or to finish what I've started instead of starting 10 projects around the house. Yes, I'm speaking from experience. So with the right circumstances, if you're aligned with these two, this can be a gorgeous day for being like, I finally did the thing. I finally finished it, or I finally made huge progress on the thing I've been excited to do, but have not found momentum for yet. So there you go, February 4th, do something cool. And if, if you don't do something cool, that's also fine. If on February 4th, you find a way to just make some peace between the part of you that wants to go big and the part of you that feels contracted, that is enough as well. On February 8th, we have Mars in a trine to Uranus, which is another kind of energizing day. We don't have the Saturn activity quite as much today. Uranus is inspiring. Uranus is the intellect that is paired with the intuition. So it's a really good day for brainstorming, especially if you're going to brainstorm while taking a long walk. Mars, good for doing the things that you've been putting off because they matter to you specifically, but not to people who are asking you for deadlines and responsibility. Uranus is about that, that sense of, I do this because I must, and not because the world is asking me for this. So it's the difference between, I'm going to sit down and write an opera, and I'm going to sit down and answer my emails. You might not have an inbox full of people being like, so when are you going to finish that opera? You might even have people in your life being like, why should we care about an opera? And you'll get a lot of messages from people who are like, I really need you to write back to me and tell me the logistical thing that I want from you, right? So a day like today, Mars trying Uranus, is a really good day to remember that spark within you that is here to do something unique and interesting that is yours, that is, that is fascinating to you, that may not be exactly what the world is asking for in this moment. So you're going to need to cultivate some boundaries 
and some, some determination to get that thing done, to get that out of you. Just a little piece of it. It doesn't have to be the full thing. Just commit. I would say, I'm going to give you some homework around this. I would say on February 8th, commit to at least jotting down a note for an idea that you have that's really exciting to you. And put it somewhere where you can see it every day. February 11th brings a Mercury conjunction to Pluto. So as Mercury is moving forward again, after retrograding a bit, it's moving back over Pluto, where it retrograded over on um, January 28th, I think was the last time it was conjunct uh, Pluto. So you're, it was pretty recent we had a Mercury conjunct Pluto. They don't come this close together unless there's a retrograde. And so the potential here, just as it was, you know, a few days ago, is for whenever we're working with Pluto, we're always talking about either this fear response where we get kind of stuck in whatever kind of catastrophic thought patterns or resistance to feeling and thinking can come up when our, our mind and our nervous system is right up against this Pluto point where we hold that intensity and that uh, Pluto is always, always about the need for healing, but, but healing that is in recognition of death in recognition of what is irrevocably changing throughout our lives. So working with Pluto, potential is we can get stuck there. We can, our anxiety can increase, our mental health can deteriorate a little bit, or that Mercury conjunct Pluto can help us dive more deeply into truths. And those can be deep emotional truths. Those can also just be Mercury conjunct Pluto is a good day to research good day to learn things, good day to pay attention to anything that you want to know what's really going on here. So that February 11th, I encourage you to be gentle as always with a Pluto transit like this. Specifically when we're working with Mercury, we're working with the ideas we have about ourselves in the world. So if you have any kind of negative self-talk or scripts in your head that tell you reasons why you need to be scared of everything or why everyone's against you or why you're not that great or you should be ashamed of this or that about yourself, really just be gentle. Be gentle with those voices as they come up. A very good practice for handling them is to just learn a little bit of distance between you and the voice so that it doesn't feel like that voice is your voice and the only truth in your deepest, truest identity, but rather that you can locate that voice within you and notice that it is scared. You might want to consider if you are finding this within yourself on a day like today or just in general during these rough times, you might want to consider perhaps the information this voice is telling me is true and perhaps it is not. But what is true is that the urgency which, with which it is conveying this information comes from a place of fear, which means that it's my job to find some sort of comfort, to do some sort of self-soothing. And no shame about whatever you need to do that is that self-soothing. So if you're feeling that way and then you're like, I can't get out of bed, I'm going to watch movies in bed all day, that is a form of self-soothing. And that might be the best thing you can do for yourself in that moment from a harm reduction model, right? So don't also beat yourself up about whatever tools you happen to have available for calming the anxiety. February 16th is the full moon. This one's in Leo. And 
This is the day when Venus begins to conjunct Mars. This is one of the big deals of this month. There's a lot going on this month. This one's really cool. I love this one, especially with full moon in Leo. So a full moon, it's this energy peak. It's, it's when the energy crests and begins to fall backward. And a Leo full moon is a time of big energy. Leo's a big energy. Leo energy has strong social and creative impulses. So as we celebrate and release the energy of Leo on this full moon, it's worth paying attention to what it is in, in you, in your relational needs, in your capacity to be with others and be with yourself. What in there would feel good to release around specifically this fear that you're not loved enough, not cherished enough, that you can't be seen or heard as clearly as you would like to be. Leo always has this focus on self-expression and really trying to magnetize love, trying to get that love up close and center. I think of Leo energy often as like a puppy or a small child. The energy of I exist and I need you to find that just enchanting. I need somebody in this world to adore me on that level, that my mere existence is enough. And so on a Leo full moon, it's worth just checking in with, do I believe that about myself? Do I have people who do hold me that way? And if not, what healing is available to me internally to hold more of that regard for myself? If I don't have people in my life who hold me that way, what grieving do I need to do in order to release attachment to trying to get things from people that I'm never going to get from them? in order to open yourself to different relationships over time. And then with Venus conjunct Mars, this is a transit that really helps us align the part of ourselves that is open to others, that is receptive, that is like, oh yeah, let's do things your way. Let me understand about you. Uh, let's be a team. Let's be buddies. Let's cuddle. Let's be sweet. Let's be tender. That's all Venus, right? This the sense of, yes, it feels good when we do these things together. I enjoy you. I appreciate our time. I find you delightful. I find you beautiful. All of the things. Aligning that with Mars, which is, here's my selfishness on a certain level. Mars is really a selfish planet. Mars says, no, I don't want that. And yes, I do want this other thing. So Mars, it rules sexual energy, right? It rules desire. It also rules boundary setting, how we do conflict, how we say no. Mars is how we set boundaries and defend those boundaries so that we're not invaded, even by those we love and choose to be with. And this can be a tricky maneuver, especially for people who are strongly Neptunian or strongly Venusian. So if you have Venus or Neptune as a prominent theme in your chart. And that could be true for you if you've got a lot of planets in Libra or in the seventh house or Venus conjunct your sun or conjunct your moon. Those are all Venusian type themes in the chart. And Neptunian themes are if you have the planet Neptune really involved in a, a uh, strong aspect in your birth chart. So conjunct your sun, square your sun, conjunct your moon on your ascendant, conjunct your Venus, anything like that. Or if you have strong Pisces energy or 12th house energy. So 
that those are all indications that you are strongly Neptunian. You can be Neptunian and Venusian at the same time. The reason I bring these up is that both of those can incline us on an energetic level to approach relationships with a level of other focus that can sometimes obscure the needs of the self. So Mars brings in the self. Mars brings in, in order to love you, I need this boundary. In order to be this close, I need this part of me respected. I need distance at this level. Which can be hard to do when you have Neptune and Venus really strong in your chart, and or if you have a family history of enmeshment, of codependence, of in any way needing to um, be the parent of your parent, of feeling abandonment, and anything, anything that comes up in your childhood that teaches you that you have to work somehow in a relationship to meet the needs of others and minimize your own needs. So when Venus conjuncts Mars, and this is a transit that's going to last a little while, it's going to, it's beginning now, it'll be with us for a few weeks, it's going to perfect at zero degrees of Aquarius next month. So right now, this is the beginning of a several week process in which you have the opportunity, if you are strongly Venusian or Neptunian or both, to come into your Mars energy more, to integrate that piece of you, to pay more attention to what are my boundaries, what are my desires, what makes me angry, how do I need to express it? And, 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 I don't want to leave out the Martians, if you are a Mars-oriented person, if you have less Venus-Neptune, more Mars prominent in your chart, and you'll know this if you are someone who has a lot of planets in Aries, or in the first house, or has Mars strongly involved in your sun, moon, ascendant, something like this. So if you identify as more Martian and you'll also just, you'll, you'll, you'll recognize yourself in the description. What is most important to you in relationships is a sense of autonomy, independence, not being smothered, being free to keep pursuing what makes you passionate and gives you joy and helps you feel alive. Being stifled and trapped are real hard for you. So with this kind of placement in your birth chart, if you have strong Mars energy, the problem that often comes up for you in relationships is how do I let the people I love know that I'm, I'm here, I'm with them, I love them, I'm available, because when I express my need for autonomy and independence or when I set my firm boundaries, people feel pushed away. People feel uh, that they need to cling harder or force me to commit to things that are not the things that are good for me. So for you, my friends, this Venus-Mars conjunction can help you tap into how to express your Venusian side more clearly so that those that you love and who love you can feel your warmth, your tenderness, your presence, your love in a different way without necessarily compromising the things that are important to you around autonomy, independence, passion, discovery, etc., so that's kicking off today, February 16th, full moon in Leo. I don't know if I want to recommend that you do or don't have a date on a day like today. I kind of feel like it's a good day to date yourself. I think that's maybe where I want to land with this. If you're in a relationship that's like solid, friendship, romance, long-term partnership, whatever it might be, yeah, hang out with someone on this day, have a good time. 
expect it to get a little intense. It could get a little big. It could get a little extra. That's that's the main thing. But ideally, full moons are not days where we try to start a thing. So don't go on a first date today. <laughs> don't begin the conversation of, so what are we to each other? You know, if you're casually involved with somebody. Um, let this be a day of releasing your own relationship patterns that are no longer serving you and really sinking into that sense of I can be loved and love and have boundaries all at the same time. And now we've reached February 17th, which is one of the main events of this month and of this year, honestly. So this is Jupiter sextile Uranus, and this is a transit that brings this kind of dreamy, magical, expansive, inspiring energy to the collective. And specifically when we're thinking about Jupiter in a sextile with Uranus, Jupiter and Saturn are a team that has opposite modes, right? Jupiter says, go for it, expand, it'll be great, have fun doing it. And Saturn says, mm, maybe not, not worth the risk, not worth the effort, contract, stay patient, look for a better opportunity later, right? So they have these very opposite messages. For the last year, Saturn has been squaring Uranus. It is fading away this year. Depending on which astrologer you talk to, some, some are like, it's still there. And some are like, it's gone. You know, it's no longer exact. It won't become exact again, but, but it is a background radiance of the year. And that Saturn square to Uranus has been so goddamn difficult because Uranus is where we want inspiration and forward momentum towards all of the things that will improve our lives in a big scale way. And Saturn is where we hold on to the past and get conservative and realistic and practical. And those two together butting heads is just painful. It's just been painful for all of us. So with this Jupiter sextile to Uranus, it's like a balm. It's like, it's like a soothing uh, shift in how we can work with Uranian energy. And this opportunity, I see, I see it really as this, this capacity to untangle some of the energetic knots that have gotten tangled up throughout 2020 and 2021. And Jupiter magnifies what it touches. So Jupiter magnifying Uranus continues the theme of, you know, we're in Aquarius season. We just had this Aquarius new moon. Uranus is the ruler of Aquarius. Like there's just this expansion and magnification of how the fuck do we do things differently? How do we tap into the potential for liberation? Of course, Uranus is a neutral planet. So I love to claim Uranus as like queer collective liberation planet, you know, like revolution for us. And it's not only that, it's the same Uranus in the sky for everybody, no matter their political beliefs. So I also just want to give a nod to the fact that Jupiter sextile Uranus during Aquarius season can also magnify right-wing insurrectionary tendencies who, um, you know, those the people who are deeply invested in uh, more and more authoritarian <laughs> forms of, of control, but in, in, in the clothing of Aquarius revolutionary energy, right? It's a confusing time. So I, I, I don't want to give you just the positive spin on this. That, that is the potential as well. But for the people listening to my podcast who by and large, I mean, you're here because we share some common cause, we share some values. I think it's worth imagining 
This day, February 17th, Jupiter sextile Uranus as a day when we can make some major magic around the futures we want to see, around expanding and magnifying the joyous possibilities inherent in collective liberation. And the next two transits specifically affect the United States of America. I'm going to touch into them briefly here, but I will be writing a much longer post about them. And, you know, I say much longer. We'll see how long it actually gets. I will be writing about them in more depth on my Patreon, and I'll drop that on February 16th on the full moon. So look for that then. But briefly here, I just have to nod toward this is a big deal for America. So February 18th, sun moves into Pisces. It is Pisces season. Hello, Pisces season. Dreamy, imaginative, compassionate, empathic. We got Jupiter in Pisces throughout the beginning of the year. We are already deep in Pisces energy. And then we got this Neptune opposition to the United States on February 18th. Neptune's the ruler of Pisces. I'm using the Sibley chart for the U.S. in which Neptune is at 22 degrees of Virgo. February 18th, Neptune will be at 22 degrees of Pisces. So this Neptune opposition is essentially about Neptunian energy being in conflict. So Neptunian energy, when we're talking about a big collective, like a whole goddamn country over many generations, Neptunian energy is about our belief systems, our shared collective belief systems. And obviously, there are divergent beliefs throughout the U.S. and are throughout every country in every time period. Beliefs are never monolithic. And when Neptune opposes Neptune, the fractures between those beliefs is what comes up. So many people believe in Christian hegemony as the core of the United States. There are uh, Christian evangelicals, there are uh, right-wing conservatives who are really pushing in this moment for what they see as Christian values to be the values that determine everyone's lives. Others are finding that the cracks in civil society that I personally believe are the result of global capitalism and settler colonialism, amongst other things, that have fractured our civil society, others are looking at this fractured civil society and finding conspiracy theories to, to explain it away. The reason things are so messed up for me and, and the world feels so hard right now is because of the Jews is because of the gays, is because of immigrants, whatever, whatever the scapegoat is. That belief system falls under Neptune, right? Any kind of belief system falls under Neptune. With Neptune opposite Neptune, what it really shows is that this is a moment when the collective experiences friction around what some people believe and what other people believe. Beliefs clash. You know, it, it reminds me of, of, of times throughout history when there have been holy wars, when there have been these sort of, and it doesn't have to just be my church against your church, it's more my ideology against your ideology. Anyone who's been paying attention to U.S. politics for the last couple of years as this transit has been um, moving into exactness are familiar with this terrain by now. It's, it's nothing new. We're, we're living it. We're experiencing it. This is the day when it becomes exact, February 18th. And February 20th is the Pluto return of the United States. This is our country's first Pluto return. Any country that exists for more than 
245-250 years or so has a Buddha return. I'll also be writing more about this on my Patreon, but briefly, I just want to remind you of what a Pluto transit feels like for a human, which is when we go through Pluto transits, and they cannot be a Pluto return for us, right? We never live that long. But any kind of Pluto transit to our birth charts signifies a time when we have work to do about unpacking the traumas of our past. The goal of a Pluto transit is to bring to light material that has been unconscious, hidden, buried, and that's festering there, that has not been fully healed and released in order to allow transformation to occur. So I think of Pluto transits as composting, as as taking something that is no longer alive, but has not been able to dissolve fully and reintegrate into the whole and helping it along with that process. And that process is not generally like a a lighthearted time for us. When you think about transformation on that level, you know, we can get woo and be like, it is the transformation of consciousness, or we can get really mundane and be like, this is cleaning out your compost bucket when you haven't been tending it and there is some rot in there, right? So that's a Pluto transit in general. On an esoteric level, time for metamorphosis. On a very physical, visceral, lived level, Pluto transits tend to bring us face to face with things we would rather not face. When we talk about the Pluto return of a country, it is a time when that entire collective, and by collective for a country I'm talking about, those who shaped it, those who continue to shape it, the government, the policymakers, the voice of the citizens, the voice of those who are not granted citizenship and yet have relationship with that country, this entire collective, not just in this moment, but throughout the country's history, right? It's a really, really big group of people. We're talking about Pluto coming back and needing to expose and reveal for healing what is the compacted trauma within this collective. So I have a lot more to say about that that you can read on my Patreon. It will go up the same time as the article on Neptune opposite Neptune. They'll both be up February 16th. And we got one more transit for the month. This one is February 24th. Got two things happening today, Mercury square Uranus and Venus sextile Neptune. This is one last burst of Uranian activity for the month. We've already moved into Pisces season. Venus sextile Neptune really highlights that Pisces kind of energy. This one is a little weird, right? Mercury square Uranus can cause some communication misfires, some impatience. Uranus is our independent, rebellious, inspired mind, and Mercury is our more day-to-day mind. And when the two of them are clashing, it often feels like, ugh, I'm trying to get to the thing that I want to think about or the thing that I think is cool and I'm getting trapped by logistics or can't quite get it out right or can't find the time and space in the day to be with the the things that are exciting to me. So a little bit of frustration possible with Mercury square Uranus. Also flashes of insight, but maybe just harder to capture. But luckily the Venus transit to Neptune brings some more patience, brings some more sweetness. So Mercury square Uranus with Venus sextile Neptune 
I mean, we are in some times, my friends. On this, this close to the month, I just want to remind you, we've been talking a lot about politics. We've been talking a lot about big transformative changes in the collective. I want to end this month by just letting you know, eh, you know, as I said, there's a lot going on right now. There's so much going on right now. However you are positioned, if you're feeling alone and helpless, if you're feeling alone and bored or shut down, if you're feeling connected but anxious, however you're positioned, just remember this month is not the test that you need to ace for the rest of your life. This month is you going to the library and picking out a whole bunch of books at random and reading a few of them and having really good ideas and then maybe taking a nap and having a dream about one of them and then maybe losing some books under your chair and going back and finding them later and being inspired by something that you noticed that you hadn't noticed before, right? That's the energy of this month. Meanwhile, U.S. going through some shit. <laughs> that is my wrap-up for the Aquarius new moon in February. I will be back for the new moon on March 2nd, the Pisces new moon. Look for this podcast to drop around March 1st. And until then, drop us a note, a voice note, a voice message, if you will, a story. We want to hear from you, abacuscorvus slash podcast. And if you're interested in anything else about astrology, getting your chart read, you can find me at flaxandgold.com. I'll put that link in the show notes. Hope you have a fascinating and beautiful month. Ta-da. Ta-da.